Good morning. Welcome to the Mr. Elvin Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Mottram. It is Friday, February 16th, and joining us, as always, from the Washington City Paper, it's Matt Turrell. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. A funny thing happened on our mostly Redskins-oriented podcast. Uh, last episode, we talked about your family's Disney cruise, and more people listened to that than uh, our podcasts that are about a, a team with a racist name and a losing record since 1991. That is one of the more baffling things that's happened in an already baffling year. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in the world, most of it awful. Uh, so let's just bury our heads in the sand and talk about a topic at length um, that's completely random, which is 1990s movie soundtracks. Uh, more specifically, 1990s movie soundtracks that we probably owned in the CD format. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of came upon this topic totally randomly, but you did bring up a good point that like coincidentally, there is a really notable and relevant like current soundtrack with the Black Panther soundtrack that's out. Uh, I think that this is like the first time I can remember people like talking about a soundtrack in quite a while. A long time. I mean, and it reminds me, it's funny because it's, you know, curated by Kendrick Lamar. Um, it reminds me of back in 1989 when it was baffling to find out that this like Batman comic book movie had this whole Prince album that accompanied it. <laughs> and everybody who couldn't care less about Batman uh, was talking about its soundtrack. It was really weird. Pretty sure I had the Prince cassette single. Not about, I did not have the full album. Uh, I have to admit, like, everybody loves Prince, tragic loss to uh, pop culture, but that was not his finest work, let's say. So here's the format that we're going to talk about this, and we're going to do a draft, a 1990s movie soundtrack CD draft. Uh, five rounds, uh, so that's 10 total soundtracks will be drafted. You'll get first pick, then I'll get second, then you'll get third, and we'll go from there all the way uh, to 10. There's a, a bit of a point of contention on this. I, I did a Facebook post just tipping people off to like, you know, this, this uh, you know, conversation. Yeah. And a lot of people were throwing things out that were like movies like, say, Dazed and Confused that had, they were very popular, very popular soundtracks, but the music was not from the 90s. I vote to include those soundtracks. I think we should be inclusive. If it was 100%. a soundtrack from the '90s that we all knew and loved, it counts. Hundred percent agreed. I, I don't. I don't want to spoil anything that someone might might pick. But yeah, man. I mean, it, there's things that I only like because they were on. You know, I don't know the Forrest Gump soundtrack, even though I, the song was released 40 years earlier. Totally. Everybody who disagreed with that uh, was objectively wrong, and I'm glad to see that you. Uh, Think about this the correct way. I sneaky loved the Forrest Gump soundtrack. People forget about that. <laughs> they, really, they really do, PFT commenter. They really do. <laughs> the other factor that I think we need to consider is the way that I've crafted my little list that I, that I prepared beforehand is uh, it mostly, mostly what I'm considering is how much I loved and listened to it then versus now. You know, there's a – there's kind of a – with both of these – parameters there is a factor like if it was music from the 90s i probably would level it up just a little bit versus music from the past and also if i actually listen to this music still i would level it up a little bit but most for the most part i'm talking about like how much i love these soundtracks in the uh, 90s agreed and i think i we may at the very end have to do some honorable mentions because because there's also the factor of like 
uh, you know, is there one great song and an otherwise forgettable soundtrack? Uh, Did yeah. they screw up the sequencing, et cetera, et cetera? I'm sure we'll cover all that as we go. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I want to ask you uh, before we get started, you assigned me first pick. You sure you don't want to do something random, uh, you know, closest to Terrell Pryor's number of catches or something? Uh, or, or do you just want to assign it and go? I, you know, I just feel like uh, I'm the host. This is a generous thing to do. You right. get the number one pick. Go for it. All right. Uh, I'm going to start. I hate to be this obvious and this much in my, you know, uh, generic wheelhouse, but I'm going to go with the single soundtrack, um, which was, as I'm sure everybody who was alive at the time remembers, uh, iconic grunge bands um, doing, crucially, tracks that were not, for the most part, featured on their albums. Uh, the Alice in Chains track was on their album, but it was new music at the time from Pearl Jam, two new songs, uh, a Soundgarden song that I wasn't familiar with, um, Smashing Pumpkins song that I wasn't familiar with. Uh, I don't think I can deny that as my first pick. I always, in the 90s, said that I listened mostly to whiny white guys with guitars, and uh, nothing emblemizes that better than the single soundtrack. This was my number one as well. I should have taken the number one pick. Um, I So I tried to listen back to this, and it, it the music does very little for me now, but it did so much for me then. <laughs> like it, it was, was so good. It, it did so much, and I think part of the reason it does so little now is because we listened to it so much then. I mean, and there were... This was as close as the soundtrack comes to being like all killer, no filler. Uh, it, it introduced me to older stuff, to, to that uh, Led Zeppelin cover by whoever uh, the band from Heart, people from Heart, whatever their other band is called, the Love Mongers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, the Jimi Hendrix song on there was the first Jimi Hendrix Very song. Very good Jimi Hendrix song. Yeah. yeah. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a, it is. So I listened to that thing so much that, yeah, I can't imagine it having any emotional resonance now. I loved and still love the Smashing Pumpkins song that's the last song, Drown, except it's yeah. like eight minutes long and like the last three minutes are feedback that you could have just cut out. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, the People made a lot of mistakes like that in the 90s. The Nirvana track at the end of Nevermind that goes on for 24 minutes of silence and then is three minutes of feedback, which was great when you like put it on random on a CD player. Do you think, do you think anybody listening knows what random on a CD player means? Uh I I, ha- there, I have a pick on my list that is uh, that I only had on cassette, so <laughs> nice. <laughs> they better know nice. about CDs. This, the thing about singles is like this is a rare instance where I think the soundtrack was better and much more important than the movie itself. Like I thought the movie was fine and, and good, and maybe I was a little young for it because it was more about like grown ups dealing with grown up, like you know twenty somethings dealing with like grown up issues. But the soundtrack was like ubiquitous. Like grunge music was ubiquitous. They had every big, like important band. Um, everybody I knew had the soundtrack. Yes, agreed and agreed on the fact. I think I saw the movie once. Uh, I remember Eddie Vedder had a couple of funny jokes and uh, almost nothing else about it. All right, so single soundtrack number one. Uh, number two, or my first round pick, uh, Pulp Fiction. Ooh, good one. Yeah, I mean, and this is probably. I, I was trying to remember, like, did I love it that much then, or do I just still like this music now? And I think it's both. You know, like, Son of a Preacher Man was a song I did not know before the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Let's Stay Together was a song I did not know. You know, this stuff came out in, like, yeah. 95. I mean, I was still in high school. Like, this is, this, I was not, I didn't have an education on music, and this CD was, like, an education. You know, it was, like, 15 songs from the past curated by Quentin Tarantino that were all awesome and weird and strange, but like everybody loved them. You could play them at like a party with girls. You could play them riding around in your car. Like it was just, 
was like the perfect soundtrack. So this also brings up something else, which is that this is the opposite of singles. And I think it's intrinsically tied to the movie to the point where it has excerpts from the movie on the soundtrack. Like uh, right. I, Zed's dead. Zed's dead, baby. Going into that surf, uh, oh, that, that surf guitar. Yeah. Um, that might be my favorite song in the soundtrack. How do we feel about the snippets on a soundtrack pro or con? I think it depends. I mean, I'm pro in this instance in part because the movie was phenomenal. Like, I mean, I think, I, I don't know how you feel about it. I know you have very strong opinions, but Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite movies ever, so yeah. it helps. Yeah, it, it, it definitely helps. Uh, and yes, I love Pulp Fiction. It mm-hmm. might be the last Quentin Tarantino one that I truly unreservedly love, but I love it. I'm curious to see if there's more Quentin Tarantino on this list. I, I definitely, there is some on my list. We'll see how, how the draft breaks down. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, third overall pick, first pick of round two to you. Uh, yeah, actually, this was my number two overall. So, like, I, I have that feeling you get at a fantasy football draft when you, you get mm. the top two picks. I'm taking the train spotting soundtrack. Nice. Um, which uh, was as iconic for that summer as anything I can imagine. Uh, like what you said about um, Pulp Fiction, this to me was was finding out about an entire new set of music. Um, it featured bands that I liked. I already liked Pulp. I knew Blur, but the Blur song on there is just epic, next level. Uh, and the Underworld track towards the end, which I believe somebody actually shouted out on your Facebook page, mm-hmm. is, I mean, to me, the summer of 1996 is sitting on the driveway of my house in, like, the Montgomery County humidity and heat with this playing on a, uh, a boombox plugged in outside. Like, that is 1996 to me. Okay, so that sound that song that you're referencing by Underworld is called Born Slippy. And I saw that comment, and I, I thought that was a movie that I was unfamiliar with. No, it's it's the uh, it's it's that really great. It's got that reverby, echoey intro, and then the, the, the chant. You'll know it if you listen to it. I mean, and that's another one where. Oh, that's not that's not that's, it. That's not that, it. That's that was a, a single soundtrack. Paul Westerberg. Yeah. Oh, here's the Born Slippy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I recognize yeah. this. Yeah, and and the whole experience of train spotting that summer, it, it was one of those things where you you still in that pre like internet culture, you got to feel like hey man we're like artsy and cool because we're going to see this uh import movie and, and it was it was like it, it felt it felt just the uh hipster side of middlebrow uh in in all the right ways it was it was right in my wheelhouse what's funny about this, this came out when i was like early college um everybody knew about and was familiar with this movie like it was a it was a phenomenon if you were of a certain age when train spotting came out but i don't remember the soundtrack being like that, like I don't remember seeing the CD around that much. I remember like specific songs, but they were more associated with the movie. Like Lust for Life was just like it jumped off the screen at you. Right. And uh, uh, Perfect Day was like an awesome bit of soundtracking and a beautiful song. But like the rest of the soundtrack I'm looking at now and it's like it kind of flew over my head at the time. Interesting. I, I definitely I, this was one that, that took over our lives for at least half a year. Um, and, and I do also want to say you mentioned the Iggy Pop and you mentioned the uh, Lou Reed. Uh, one thing I'm noticing in our picks is that it seems like a good soundtrack always is going to have some older tracks that you learn about. Cause like mm-hmm. I obviously knew who Iggy pop was. I knew who Lou Reed was, but this was the first time that I, it gave me a way into their stuff to connect to them. And uh, yeah, there's, there's no way I could not have picked this. Well, a big part of that too is like, we were teenagers, you know, yeah. like, I mean, we didn't know about music then if we know about it now, I, you know, to be debated, but like there could be an entire 
soundtrack of music from the 70s and 80s that was probably really important you know like Iggy Pop stuff Lou Reed stuff that I had just had no idea I was like who's Lou Reed again I haven't started listening to Velvet Underground yet yep okay totally. um, all right you're along up. those lines number four overall uh second round second pick I'm going dazed and confused oh wow which I mean this is like just classic rock but it was classic rock that for the most part I was again unfamiliar with at the time that it came out and I remember when this movie hit theaters, it was as I was a, like a rising senior. And that's exactly what like a lot of the kids in the movie were. <laughs> and it just resonated with like my whole like circle of friends. I mean, everybody had this soundtrack. Everybody knew every song like low rider was just something that I don't know. You'd hear in the parking lot before school. Um, I can't go to the Dazed and Confused 2 sound or sound, you know, the sequel soundtrack, not the sequel movie, but the sequel soundtrack. Because remember, that would be a thing. There would mm-hmm. be like a second soundtrack because the first one was so popular. Dazed and Confused definitely had one of those uh, with like an alternate cover that had different colors. Um, but Dazed and Confused soundtrack one was a big deal. Yes. Uh, Train Spotting also had a second soundtrack. Dazed and Confused is one of those movies. Uh, that's in a little bit of a blind spot for me. I, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I don't believe I've ever been forced to sit down and watch it end to end. So I, I don't have the resonance, uh, wow. but I cannot dispute the choice. Wow. Well, the, there's an interesting uh, component of this, which is that a crucial scene, not crucial, but like a very memorable scene, an awesome scene in the movie is, is soundtrack by Bob Dylan's Hurricane. And that did not make it on the soundtrack. And I'm guessing maybe Dylan didn't green light it, but like that would probably be the best song in the movie, but didn't make it onto the soundtrack. Um, also, when my younger brother, Chris, uh, went into high school, I made him watch two movies. Uh, one of them was Fast Times at Ridgemont High and the other was Dazing Infused. That's amazing. I, um, it, 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 from... Fast Times is a great choice. I understand the thinking behind Days and Confused. I, the, talking about this now, I feel like I was, uh, I feel like I really left myself out of something by just kind of skipping it. Yeah, I, I got to think that you, you, that was to your detriment. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm, a, I'm a worse person because of it. So did they put any kind of a, a cover on the soundtrack to cover? You know, they would sometimes do that, like, oh, we can't clear Dylan, so here's, you know, Jacob Dylan covering it or, or something like no, that. No, 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 they didn't do that. I mean, they they just had, like, so much good music from that movie, like Slow Ride, uh, which was just beautiful. Uh, Love Hurts. Uh, let's see. Low Rider, Tuesday's Gone. Um you know, and this is stuff I didn't really know, you know, like I didn't know about Skinner and I still don't really care about Skinner, but like Tuesday is gone. It was just a great ballad high school song. Um, all right, moving on round three, right. fifth overall round three, fifth overall pick for me. Uh, I was and remain a big old English nerd. I'm going with the Romeo plus Juliet soundtrack <laughs> no. to Baz Luhrmann's film. Yes, indeed. No. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, oh, I mean, Radiohead's I, on it. That's good. It, it's was well, Radiohead's on it. Not only is Radiohead on it, but but music for OK Computer was written uh, originally to be part of the soundtrack. It opens with a killer garbage track that holds up to this day. There's a bunch of random stuff in there that um, 
uh, uh, you you know, just random one hit wonders and no hit wonders, but that were good on the deep cuts. There's a Monday song and a Wanna Die song that are both good. But this is one where it is intrinsically linked to the movie. Like I love the film. I love Boz Lerman's approach to it. I'm or used to be a Shakespeare like nerd, uh, and and during that whole stretch of Shakespeare modernization adaptations, uh, I w- that was I mean could not have been a slower pitch right into the strike zone for me. So um, this is standing for that, and also it's another one where there's lots of music and genres that I would not have touched otherwise. Uh, that this one sort of uh, exposed me to. This was not on my extended list. <laughs> I just have to say, I mean, I've got about 25 like notable soundtracks for the honorable mentions portion of this discussion. Romeo uh-huh. and Juliet did not make the cut. But then again, I don't even really remember watching that movie. I missed it's, that. It, it's funny because you and I, demographically, very similar. Uh, grew up similar areas, uh, similar ages, etc. But it's feeling like we're, we're on slightly different uh, portions of uh, like the Venn diagram that we occupy. Yeah, um, it's almost like you were in the theater and I was like in the locker room. <laughs> this is an interesting point. We should play this dynamic up more on this show. I should go even nerdier and like go on a Disney cruise or something. Uh, it's not like I was a jock. I mean, I played baseball. Like that doesn't even count as a sport. You just stand around and watch well, things for the most part. One of the first times I interacted with you was you and Chris challenging uh, Chris Cooley and Tanner Cooley to a... Uh, uh, football competition. So I'm going to chalk you up as a jock, if, if all things being equal. <sighs> I'll take it. Okay, so first five off the board. Singles, Pulp Fiction, Train Spotting, Days Confused, Romeo and Juliet. I can hear you writing this down. Yeah, I'm um, tracking it. Yeah, that's important. Uh, so we're halfway through the draft. Uh, sixth overall pick, my third pick. And this, this is there's, – there's a trend here because I'm going with another – album that's entirely made of music from the past from the pre-90s and it's the boogie night soundtrack oh wow i forgot about that one that's a great choice yeah this was a big deal like again like pulp fiction one of my favorite movies of all time and it was a big deal for like my particular circle of friends you know we like just watched and quoted and like lived that movie all the time (laughs) except for the you know well a lot of the stuff um (laughs) but yeah, we just love that soundtrack. Like that soundtrack was a big part of my college experience. Uh, like Sister Christian by Night Ranger uh, was just a, a big deal. Spill the Wine, Jungle Fever. There's a great Marvin Gaye song on there. Um, God Only Knows, which is, I mean, just an incredible all-time uh, Stone Cold classic five, Beach Boy song. song. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. wasn't really like, I didn't, I didn't really know about Pet Sounds at the time. You know, like it was just a huge... Uh, a huge movie and soundtrack. And I think I could like, like Pulp Fiction. I could go back and listen to a lot of this. Oh, I would definitely think so. Now, one other thing you managed to do by picking that one is you sneak in Stan Bush's. You've got the touch off of the animated transformers in the movie soundtrack, which is a, a great, great pull. So that's, I'm I'm happy just to get that. I do think there's like a hidden track of you got the touch at the end of the CD. I might, I've got to go back and like, if I can find the CD, first of all, but I think that that's on there. Oh, oh you know what I'm thinking of? Feel my heat. Oh, okay. Which yeah. is just Mark Wahlberg, like <laughs> alone yeah. on the, uh, on the vocal. I actually performed feel my heat. I think at a bar one night in college and it was like, not cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I'm I'm picturing the uh, the you've lost that love and feeling moment from Top Gun for this, just straight up. Yeah, but like no sex in the bathroom afterwards. Is that uh, is that the movie where is that is that I, I is that the scene in Top Gun where they end up in the bathroom? But they didn't have I, sex. I'm 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 misremembering Top Gun. Sorry. Yeah, they end up there. But I know I know he and Goose have the conversation afterwards where it's a he crashed and burned. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. so that's that's what I was. Uh, I'm picturing that whole thing. Top Gun soundtrack. Now, if we had an '80s conversation, I think that would be in the in the mix. My wife actually uh, is championing uh, the idea of doing the same thing for the '80s. Uh, she had many many thoughts on that topic uh, when we were talking. <laughs> About this. Bonus pod. Yep. All right. So Boogie Nights at six. Who do you have at seven overall? All right. At seven, this might be the first one that I poach from you since round one. I'm going to take uh, the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Um, which, so yes, Quentin Tarantino shows up again. Um, this one I, I especially love because they include uh, the, the Stephen Wright DJ voice in it. So mm. it is as if you are listening to the uh, eidetic movie from as it's played in the film, as the characters are hearing it. Um, again, I had never heard of, I think, 90% of these songs before. Right. Uh, but like, uh, you know, Little Green Bag, if you don't think of Little Green Bag when you and your friends are walking down the street and you're, you know, 21 years old and mm-hmm. you think you're actually interesting and or cool then you know i don't know what's wrong with you and stuck in the middle with you is like an all-time great soundtrack song yeah dylan-esque pop bubblegum classic yeah which i don't i still don't know if i like ever would have heard that without this movie oh never and uh it also um used uh hooked on a feeling whatever 20 years before guardians of the galaxy tried the same stunt and did it better (laughs) um all right do you think Reservoir Dog soundtrack is better than Pulp Fiction, by the way? So uh, I do personally. I just it's it's got more a higher hit rate for me. There's more stuff on the Pulp Fiction soundtrack that I don't care about. I think the highs on the Pulp Fiction soundtrack are higher. I think the greatest hits are greater. But uh, as a whole, I prefer Reservoir Dogs. And I definitely have both of these CDs. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. All right, number eight, number eight overall. I'm gonna make up for all of that, like stuff before that wasn't from the 90s with my Pulp Fiction, Daisy Confused, Boogie Nights trio Mm -hmm. and take something that was very 90s in a way that the single soundtrack was very 90s. We're going with the Crow soundtrack. Oh, wow. Yeah, this was a big deal. Um, I'm just going to like mention some of the songs and artists. Uh, Burn by The Cure, Big Empty by Stone Stone Temple Pilots, which was a great Stone Temple Pilots song. Yep. there's a Nine Inch Nails, Rage Against the Machine. I wasn't that into those. I was into the Color Me Once song by Violent Femmes. Oh, wow. I was into Ghost Rider by Rollins Band. Uh, there's another. Oh, Snake Driver by Jesus and Mary Chain. And a very weepy mixtape song at the end, It Can't Rain All the Time by Jane Syberry. I mean, if there is anything more crow than It Can't Rain All the Time, I do not know what it would be. This is also like singles in that, like, I'm pretty sure I saw this movie once and never again. Yeah. Uh, uh, the movie was not a big deal. It was really about the soundtrack. This is complicating my image of you, though, because now you're like this, this Tom Cruise-esque jock wearing like the black eyeliner makeup and crying in rain, which I just I can't, I can't make this track in my head, man. <laughs> weird weird uh, coincidence is a lot of The Crow is filmed here in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is where uh, Bruce Lee's son, Brandon, Brandon Lee, that was the start of The Crow, right? Yeah, yeah that's where correct. He, where he died in like some weird incident on set and he got like shot by 
uh, I don't know what you call like the fake bullets. Uh, yeah, the squib or the blank or squib or whatever. Yeah, yeah some yeah. some weirdness that happened in downtown Wilmington. So yeah, came back around to connect with the crow like twenty years later. Um, it's good that you maintain that in your life. Uh, <laughs> what a weird, but I feel like I need to read a book about the crow or like watch a documentary. Like what a strange film. Not, I mean, soundtrack aside, but like the, the lead actor, like dying in the making of it. Yeah. And, and also being really charismatic. Like he, he seemed yeah. really promising, uh, based on, on that movie. Uh, I, mean, one thing I haven't I'm, seen it in like 25 years, but I feel like it's like a either. Heath Ledger as the Joker esque Maybe not that level, but like that kind of in that kind of vein performance. Well, I mean, in it's 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 definitely uh, got the parallels in a guy wearing face paint with sort of tangly hair in a movie based on a comic book dying tragically just as the movie is going to be released. So yeah, that vein. Uh, that you're vein. not you're not wrong there. I will say you can safely take a pass on the Crow comic book uh, that you can mm. just you can just let's leave that in the '90s where it belongs. Okay, I'm glad you validated that for me because I was going to pass on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I could help uh, with your decision making. All right, uh, we're in the fifth round. This is it. This uh, is it. We each get one more pick. This is the ninth overall. Uh, who do you got? I'm I'm really having trouble with this one because nothing that is left on my list is anything that I think you would take. I, I, I can't decide if I want what like aspect of my life I want to represent. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be true to myself and pick something kind of weird. I'm gonna take the Twin Peaks soundtrack. Oh, um, okay. Which. Uh, which was weirdly iconic to me. Even in high school, my friends and I watched Twin Peaks when it was on the air. Um, but what I realized during the new season of Twin Peaks, uh, which I don't know if you watch or not, but every episode they would have a band play. Uh, that, that So obviously it was sort of another David Lynch curated thing. Mm -hmm. And as I wound up loving like every band he put on, I realized that this soundtrack had somehow formulated uh, like a foundation for types of music I love, like, uh, you know, reverby, breathy female vocals, uh, weird, um, old, you know, oldies influences. Uh, there's, there's a lot that I like here and it's also a, just a killer of an opening theme. Did you actually have this CD? Absolutely. I don't think I've ever seen this CD. I, I, oh, it, I was aware of Twin Peaks, but I never, I like missed the train. Like it left the station without me. Oh, what's the, it was like a little circle about, I don't know, maybe five inches in diameter, uh, silvery. It was really, it was a fascinating thing to see. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that leaves me with a hard choice because I was on the fence between these two and, it, and neither one of them was Twin Peaks. I um, guess that. <laughs> and I'm actually, you, you've now taken two in your top five that were not on my top 25. Yeah, uh, this is like when somebody reaches for like you know the the player who's injured or something. Yeah, I just have a lot of Darius Hayward Bay on my team. Yeah, um, I'm gonna make the call though and make my fifth and final pick: the Judgment Night soundtrack. Yes, I'm so glad you did that. That was my other choice, which was like 1993 rap metal, like before rap metal happened in the late 90s in like a terrible way. It happened in a beautiful way with the Judgment Night soundtrack. Which again, I, I think I watched this movie. Don't really even remember the movie, but I sure as hell remember driving around with my friends to like the Helmet and House of Pain song. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I mean, because it was for anybody who's not familiar with the Judgment Night soundtrack. I don't know if you'd made made it this far into the podcast, but it's, <laughs> it's just like a an original song, a new song created by a pairing of like a, a rap group with a rock group. And so it's like the collabs are like Helmet and House of Pain, 
Teenage Fan Club and De La Soul, which is my favorite song on the soundtrack, Fall, uh, uh, Fallen, I believe it's mm-hmm. called, yeah. Yep. Um, I want to say Traveling, because the first word is Traveling in the song. Anyway, Fallen. Uh, great song. But then like Sonic Youth and Cypress Hill, uh, there's a Pearl Jam combo. I can't remember who also Pearl Jam Cypress is Hill. with. Also Cypress Hill. Sorry. Yeah. Wow, and I'm looking at the cover of the soundtrack. Pearl Jam doesn't even make the cover. No. <laughs> like, it- like Slayer is on the cover. But not yeah, and it came out in 93, so I don't understand quite how they missed that. Um, Living Color and Run DMC. Yeah, so this soundtrack was a big deal. This was a big deal. You haven't mentioned my absolute favorite track out here, which is the Faith No More and Booyah Tribe pairing, another <laughs> Booyah body Tribe, murder, which is terrific. Now, an interesting bit of trivia about Booyah Tribe that I did not know, I learned uh, in researching for this uh, podcast, is that the tribe in Booyah Tribe is, is uh, an abbreviation. You know, it's got, the, it's got periods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what it stands for is... Too Rough International Booyah Empire. So that means that their name is the Booyah Too Rough International Booyah Empire, which, I mean, what more could you ask for from a band? Uh, I, ne- so- I, I, I never knew that. I never knew that either. <laughs> um, by the way, in, in addition to Just Another Victim, which is the Helmet House of Pain song and Fallen Teenage Fan Club and De La Soul, I think my third favorite song is not the Booyah Tribe song, but I Love You, Mary Jane by Sonic Youth and Cypress Hill. This CD is a treasure. This should be it's in the Smithsonian. Now, do you remember the Spawn CD? The Spawn no, soundtrack? No, I, you know, I remember that being a soundtrack that people had, but I don't remember what was on it. That's because it was dreadful. But if I remember correctly, what it did was basically the same thing, but with rock guys. And the, uh, you remember 1997 when they were just trying desperately to make Electronica a thing? Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like uh, I had a Crystal Method CD for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that there is a ton of that kind of stuff all over that uh that album i'm actually gonna look and see just um, because i'm looking I... at it right now oh crystal methods the first with filter crystal method with filter right corn and the dust brothers metallica and dj spooky like it, it's in uh, manson and 808 state it is a baffling track list and it, you can see what they were trying to do but the problem is that it is <gasps> terrible tom morello it, and prodigy I feel uh, like it, they should use this as like a torture device. Uh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure it's at Abu Ghraib. They just, they just crank this thing. There's a song uh, called Satan. That's Kirk Hammett and Orbital. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, if you've ever seen Spawn the movie, that, that, those words together basically sum up everything about Spawn the movie uh, without you having to sit through it. So, well, yeah. All right. So, this, <laughs> so that's our top 10. Uh, there's so much more. I mean, I just want to kind of mention a few of these. Uh, the one I was choosing between that I kind of audibled away from to go with Judgment Night was Pump Up the Volume, the Christian oh. Slater movie, which was like very important to me when I was 13. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pump Up the Volume is a good one. I can see that. Um, another one that everybody had and was familiar with and was like part of the culture. I've got air quotes around culture. I'm, I'm talking about like like white frat boy culture in 1998 was the swinger soundtrack. Yes. Uh, I never liked that one, but yes, they sure did. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like I remember liking it then. Cause there was like a swing phase happening where I was like, yeah, I'm into Benny Goodman, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I could not imagine listening to it now. So around the same time, that was that was also around the uh, ska phase, which I believe is more Chris's thing, right? No, I was into ska for sure, but I don't know if ska ever made it to soundtracks. So the meet the, <laughs> it was over the, too quickly. No, no, no. The meet the Deedles soundtrack, which is a movie what? I lit. It's a it's a movie I literally never saw, uh, but it's it's got uh, what's his name from the Fast and the Furious who died? I think he's Paul in Walker? it. Maybe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's in it. Uh, anyway, it's got. Um, 
the reason I know about it is because it opens with a Mighty Mighty Boston's track that I loved. And I don't know where I heard it, but the only place I could ever find it was on that soundtrack. And unless I'm mistaken, the rest of the soundtrack is a bunch of like contemporaneous oh, yeah. ska. There's, there's one act on here. I mean, there's a lot of like the ska, like Goldfinger and mm-hmm. Save Ferris, like the ska that I didn't really like. I was more of like right. a traditional ska guy. Oh, right. And okay. uh, there's a band on here called Hepcat that I loved in the 90s. And they were like very like kind of almost like 60s Jamaican ska, like first wave. Okay. They were first wave ska. Well, I mean, that's, that's the important thing. I haven't looked, uh, but I would be willing to bet money that this, is, this soundtrack is A, not available on Spotify, and B, available for one cent on Amazon that is, as a CD. Uh, that's my prediction for that. No, it's, you, it's only for sale. Well, you can buy it new, but let's see. Oh, you can get it used from 125. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that checks out. Um, let's see. A couple others. Well, I mean, there's a lot more. You mentioned there's the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Forrest Gump soundtrack was bomb. <laughs> like there was CCR and like Bob Seger, uh, Jimi Hendrix, like everything everything in the 60s was beautiful. I mean, it was just like a great mix of like American music. I, I, the double disc, uh, which I definitely remember being a good sort of family crowd pleaser in the car yes. when I was a kid, yes. like it just kept everybody happy. Um, the one that I definitely wanted to mention, cause you said pump up the volume. See my Christian Slater, uh, movie of choice was true romance. Um, which oh, I came. Wow. I forgot. I don't know if I ever to. saw that as a soundtrack. I mean, I saw that movie a bunch, but I don't know. I don't remember it being a CD. So here's the interesting thing about it. The, the opening track is the Hans Zimmer uh, theme, which I believe goes under the title, You're So Cool, the ding, 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 yeah. ding, oh, ding yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But so what's fascinating is that if you listen to it now, having heard all the recent Hans Zimmer, the Inception and the, the Superman, all the drums and drums and the Batman drums, mm-hmm. you can hear it in there. In the middle of the song, the drums kick in and you're like, oh, this is the same dude. And then that's followed by a bunch of Quentin Tarantino-esque oldies and random right. tracks. And, and then the, the track from the, uh, the, the love theme. It's a good soundtrack. I like it. By the way, the, the cover of the True Romance soundtrack, it says True Romance motion picture soundtrack, of course, but it also just says very cool music. <laughs> why that's awesome um, one one uh nugget is one of my favorite songs from the 90s or at least the early 90s uh outshined by Soundgarden is it's on this soundtrack also one of the great needle drops in music history when that plays with brad pitt on screen yeah uh, th- that is that is Great. I, I think there's a lot of Soundgarden all over these soundtracks we chose. Uh, maybe not the ones we chose, but all over the soundtracks that I was looking at. Soundgarden and Chris Cornell kept turning up. Uh, okay. He's a god. No, two two more that um, a lot of people mentioned in the Facebook post and that I remember being like pretty ubiquitous in the mid-90s were the Reality Bite soundtrack and the Natural Born Killer soundtrack. Yes. Uh, which, again, is Tarantino again on the second one. And Reality Bites, to me, was always the, uh, the like, worst version of the single soundtrack. It's like, what if we picked every band incorrectly, except for Lisa Loeb and U2? Um, yeah, so Reality Bites, I feel like that's, that soundtrack comes immediately to mind when you talk about 90 soundtracks. Yes. Um, and, like, My Sharona was a big deal, like, that that was revived by this. Yeah, that was an Stay by Lisa Loeb was a big deal. Um, it was a hit, you know. Um, but I remember this soundtrack sucking and this movie sucking. So what's weird is that singles, I love the soundtrack. We both love the soundtrack. Went first overall. We both said we saw the movie maybe once. Reality Bites, I know I saw that thing like a bunch of times. Now, not deliberately and not sitting and watching it, but that thing was 
always on, it felt like. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I One that I want to mention is uh, the Cruel Intentions soundtrack. My wife would kill me yes. if I did not bring that up. Yes. Uh, that, that's a great one. Bittersweet Symphony. On, Bitter- on Just on the strength of Bittersweet Symphony, really. Right, which which it rides on. It's got actually a good Counting Crows song. I'm not a big... There's a movement that says the Counting Crows weren't that bad after all. I am not part of that movement. Mm-hmm. Um, the, what else is on there? There's a, there's a bunch of good stuff on there. Um, oh, with the placebo song that opens it is terrific. That's a good one. That was a big movie. I feel like everybody I knew saw Cruel Intentions, like in the yeah. theater. Um, I love that. I love that movie. I'm not... I mean, you can probably guess when I pick Romeo and Juliet uh, third, but you know. I love cruel intentions. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that it struck me is that I feel like I, I and like the people I was around listened to a lot of hip hop in the '90s, and like now, still, like when you get together for a, you know, a party or some event, like or a wedding, like '90s hip hop is like what gets played. But so, I don't remember like any '90s hip hop soundtrack. I feel like I had, we had the albums, but not the soundtracks. Well, that cues me up for another section on my list. Uh, first, Hip Hop One Hit Wonder soundtracks. There's two that jumped to mind. One is Bullworth, which uh, had Ghetto Superstar. Ghetto Superstar came from the Bullworth soundtrack. I had no idea. Uh, it's a killer song. Uh, I, I thought that just not... came from the radio. Like It was just fully fully born. Like It was like everywhere immediately. Full disclosure, I was working in a CD store from like, 98 to 2000 or something like 97 to 99, something mm-hmm. like that. So soundtracks got a lot of play on the store rotation because, again, uh, crowd pleasers. Uh, another one was the Godzilla soundtrack, which uh, had the Puff Daddy – uh, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was the Led Zeppelin song with Puff Daddy yelling. Get the fuck uh, out of here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that was great. Uh, on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, uh, and again, really similar to the Black Panther soundtrack, is the Ghost Dog soundtrack, which was the RZA. Oh, yeah. And a bunch of like Forrest samurai Whitaker. dialogue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a great background soundtrack. I was going to say, I mean, there's a lot that I remember being like in the air, like Above the Rim, New Jack City, yep, Friday. Yep. Those are the, yeah. Um, and then there were some R&B movies too that sort of also crossed over into the, the soundtrack ether. Yeah. Um, but as I said, I was way too stuck on whiny white guys with guitars. What was the movie that had Michelle Pfeiffer and... Dangerous Minds. Danger- yes, the Coolio song. Yes. Uh, which was Gangster's Paradise. Yes. Just a, just a terrific rap pop single. Huge. Um, yeah. A couple that were like not big hit movies, and but I felt like the soundtracks made their way out there was Empire Records and She's the One. Yes. Yes. Well, she, She's the One, to me, there's a whole genre of like records that were just mixtapes of 90s alternative hits. I put She's the One in that category. No? Wasn't, wait a minute. I thought She's the One was the, like Tom Petty, like cut a new record. Oh, oh, you're Just right. I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of, is it She's All That? What am I thinking of? Yeah, I think you're thinking of She's All That. In fact, I'm going to Google that instead of She's the One, because She's the One is just Tom Petty. Yeah. Um, she's oh. All That. Uh, oh, gosh. What, oh, this is uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Leigh Cook. Rachel Leigh Cook will forever be the girl from the drugs commercial, the, uh, the, the follow-up to the Your Brain on Drugs one. I don't um, remember the soundtrack whatsoever. I don't oh, either. Oh, Sixpence None the Richer. Kiss me. There you go. <laughs> oh, but Fatboy Slim, Rockefeller Skank. Fatboy Slim was the thing that happened. Yeah, he's also on the Cruel Intention soundtrack. He's a low point on that soundtrack. Um, um, I do so, want to talk about Empire Records, though, for a minute. Because yeah, that movie was like, set in a record store. Yes. And it um, came out at a time when I didn't have a whole lot to do other than sit around and watch movies. And this was a movie that we watched a ton. I don't really remember the full soundtrack, but I remember uh, Dire Straits, Romeo and Juliet, was like... 
like, wow, this is a great song that I'm going to put on mixtapes for people. I'm, uh, I don't see it on the list of the soundtrack, weirdly. I wonder if this is one that had a second... Um... Well, I don't think I ever had the CD. Okay. You know? The, the, the soundtrack, which I just Googled, is one of those, uh, you know, circa 1994, uh, Gin Blossoms, Cranberries, Toad the Wet Sprocket, Better Than Ezra, Cracker, uh, Evan Dando kind of oh, deals. Oh, gosh, yes. I'm looking at it now. It's super, like, that mid-90s, mid to, like, mid to late-90s period. Yeah, with the, yeah, I'm not going to lie... I, 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 Empire Records very probably played no small part in me eventually winding up working in a record store. Um, they, the, the, I'm not, I'm not going to lie about that. There's uh, a song I want to hear on here. It's Evan Dondo covering Big Star, the Ballad of El Goodo. I could get down with that potentially. You'll yeah. have to let. There we go. You'll have to let me know how it goes. I think yeah. one thing I'm going to do at some point, hopefully today, is I'll pull together a Spotify playlist of some of what we're mentioning here, so that. Uh, you know, the, the 12 people who listen to this can also be the 12 people who listen to that playlist uh, and enjoy it. Um, one, two, I want to hit real quick. Also small movies, also good soundtracks were Angus, which I don't even know what the movie was. I never saw it, but the soundtrack had like Green Day and Weezer uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Love Spit Love track that I adored uh, on it. And uh, Velvet Goldmine, which tried to follow on the heels of Train Spotting and has all this glam stuff with a bunch of guys from Radiohead and Shudder to Think and Placebo. All are over they it. covering stuff? Like, are they covering like Bowie songs or? No. It- so it's weirder than that. They couldn't get any rights. I'm not clear why. So they do songs in the style of, so it's like, here is Shudder to Think doing an early period Bowie song. That's an original. Uh, and then Radiohead covers a bunch of Brian Ferry stuff. Um, it's it, there's like, here's, you know, placebo doing Lou Reed, uh, but it's not Lou Reed. It's just a song that sounds kind of like Lou Reed. It's a really weird, really good soundtrack. Uh, the standout track for me is two HB, which is um, uh, Tom York and a bunch of other guys uh, covering Brian Ferry. Really good stuff. That sounds like an album that I totally missed then, but would like now, like I wasn't ready for it then. <laughs> The, the movie was, was a bit much. I went and saw it with someone who uh, was not very interested in the whole concept or anything and left being like, why did you drag me to that? I'm never speaking to you again. I'm going to preemptively block you on Facebook 20 years before Facebook exists, uh, et cetera. So that was a real success for me. High point. Um, let's see a couple others. Uh, Goodwill Hunting, which is basically an Elliot Smith record. Yep. Um, there's, a couple, there's a couple here. Uh, Philadelphia and Jerry Maguire. Which I'm Ooh. only mentioning because both had an original Bruce Springsteen song that like carried the record. Oh, I and hope I think all the sports writers made it this far. Yeah, I think I like I think it was probably wise. Like if you could get Springsteen to lay down a track for your soundtrack in the nineties, like somebody you were probably gonna win some awards and sell some records. Yeah, that seems like a safe bet. Uh, on the other hand, I can't remember any of them. So You don't remember yeah. Streets of Philadelphia? Oh, yeah, I do remember that one. That's right. I forgot that that came from the movie Philadelphia, which uh, reflects poorly on my inductive reasoning. And then in Jerry Maguire, there's a song, Secret Garden, by Bruce Springsteen, which is like a pretty good late period Springsteen song. Oh, yeah. It's like like a lovely song. You know, it's not like a rocker. I didn't realize that came from Jerry Maguire. And Jerry Maguire is Cameron Crowe, who usually has those really well curated soundtracks. Oh, you know what? Maybe maybe that, maybe that, I just assumed it was from Jerry Maguire. It might have been from like a previous boss record. I, I need to check this out. I have no idea. I have to say we are clearly the worst white sports writers on earth. I'm not uh, a big Springsteen guy, but like I, there's certain songs I like quite a bit. So let's see what else. Uh, Go. Do you remember the movie 
go. <laughs> loved the movie Go. It's probably a total piece of crap in hindsight, but I loved it at the time. Well, the great thing is I can't figure out what's on the soundtrack because it's really difficult to, to Google uh, on my phone, and I haven't bothered looking on my computer. Uh, it turns I'll, out that I'll figure this out. Go is a bad name for a movie, but I remember the soundtrack being good. It had uh, Timothy Oliphant as like a drug dealer. Yeah, and now yeah, he's yeah, gone yeah. on to do all this awesome shit. He was he was great in that. I remember watching that, and being like, "This guy's gonna be huge." Oh, okay. and then yeah, he, he was he was not huge. Okay, uh, and then he was "Steal huge. My Sunshine" by Lynn. Oh hell yes, <laughs> great. That was a great like pop hit, phenomenal you know. one hit wonder. Uh, what else is on here? Eagle Eye Cherry. Uh, is it Save Tonight or Fat is it Boy some Slim? Other song? Fat Boy Slim is just a thread. He's <laughs> everywhere. That guy is everywhere. There's a No Doubt song. There's a Natalie Imbruglia song. Yeah, I don't. I remember this movie, but not really the soundtrack. I, I don't know. Uh, Batman Forever is another one with a surprisingly uh, varied soundtrack that's uh, well worth looking up. For me, it had Mazzy Star. It had Sunny Day Real Estate, but it mm. also had uh, it, it had like. The Seal song, that, that ubiquitous that Seal song. It had the U2 song. Um, it had PJ Harvey. It had Massive Attack. I mean, it was... I have no idea what the person putting together this soundtrack was thinking or who they were, but they really like just a, a, a broad four-quadrant appeal soundtrack. Really weird. Um, now, you've mentioned a couple of times Hans Zimmer, and so I feel like you must like soundtrack music that's like instrumental, like inspired by the film, uh-huh. that sort yeah, of thing. absolutely. Uh, I usually don't, but there was one that I did, I did like was, which was the last of the Mohicans. Oh, that's a good one. I think I might've had this on tape. I don't remember exactly how early it came out, but there was like last of the Mohicans was definitely another, there was like one song on there called the kiss that was definitely on, like made it onto a mixtape. <laughs> I, uh, my, my closest I came to last of the Mohicans was I had the dances with wolves soundtrack, which was oh, just, yeah. you know. Uh, expansive dramatic uh planes music but if you want to talk Hans zimmer uh instrumental the crimson tide tide soundtrack secretly great it's just it's all it's all zimmer instrumental stuff but it is terrific um i think the last one i want to mention was this movie and the subsequently the soundtrack were a huge disappointment but were also like a huge like kind of cultural thing if you were you know a teenager in 1990 let's see 95, 94, mm-hmm. which was Clueless. Oh, yes. Yeah, like I was so excited to see that. I was disappointed. And But I'm looking now at the soundtrack and it's like, it's very notable. Like they've got a Radiohead acoustic version of Fake Plastic Trees on here. That's, which just, is, that's just good shit. Yeah, that's great shit. Yeah, um, that's good stuff. There's Counting Crows. There's a Beastie Boys song called Mullet Head that I don't remember. Um, Rolling With My Homies by Coolio. Which is a very memorable part in the movie. Yes. Um, Supergrass is on here. Uh, the Mighty Mighty Boston's were in the film and are on the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, this is just a notable, notable release. There was uh, the, a lot of the ones that I mentioned when I said she's all that. I think we're trying to follow on the heels of Clueless. There was that whole like can't hardly wait and oh, Idle yeah, Hands, another one. Dis- disturbing behavior. Uh, there was just this whole trend of like from ninety, I want to say seven on. Just put all the, you know, all the hot alternative bands on one record and look at itself. Blink-182 is on, like, all of them. Oh, American Pie would fall into this category. Um, Oh, yeah. I feel like that was kind of happening in the mid-2000s, maybe, like, 2010 with, like, um, the Twilight films. Yes. You know, they would put, like, 
Iron and Wine and Death Cab for Cutie and like kind of like popular indie bands on there. Maybe like the Hunger Games might have had a soundtrack yep. aspect to it. Yep. But for the most part, I feel like like this was a great way to make money and a great way for like young people to listen to music because like if you buy a CD, it's like fifteen bucks and instead of getting just like one band with maybe a song or two that you like, you're getting like 15 bands and like, there was probably like four or five songs that you like, but I feel like this is like this aspect of things has totally gone away. It just doesn't make sense to like release commercial soundtracks anymore well, until I mean, it, the black Panther came along. Right. Which, which, so what the black Panther does is it turns the soundtrack into a guy's album, kind of like ghost dog where, you know, that was yeah. a RZA album. Uh, black Panther is in certain ways. It's just a Kendrick album. Um, yeah. And I um, like that it's like curated by Kendrick. It's just yeah. like littered with like just all the most relevant like pop and, and hip hop acts that are going on right now. Yeah, it's really good. It is it, it is really good. I feel like there's uh stuff that I'm totally forgetting to mention, but I, I can't uh, oh you know what I'm you know what I'm surprised hasn't come up at all? We as kids of the nineties no mention of either any of the Kevin Smith movies? That seems surprising to oh, me. Oh interesting. Yeah, so like clerks was not much of a, it was not a big deal for me. Interesting. And Mallrats was a bigger deal, but I don't really remember the music of Mallrats. So Mallrats uh, was memorable to me because it had a then unreleased Weezer track on it, which was a big deal to me at the time. And sure. uh, what was it? Had, Do you remember the name? I can't remember. Yeah, I think Suzanne was on the Mallrats mm. soundtrack. Um, okay. And then uh, there was, I think, the was it Letters to Cleo covering. Um, build me up buttercup or somebody covered build me up buttercup on it. Uh, some other stuff. I mean, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't hold up. It doesn't, doesn't feel as iconic clerks. Actually, if you look back at the soundtrack has some interesting stuff on there, including golden smog, which is the kind of thing that I suspect the, at least, I don't know about now, but you of about 10 years ago, I think mm-hmm. would have liked, um, I don't know. The clerks one is weird in hindsight. Well, what strikes me about this whole thing is like a, how many more movies I used to see then versus now. Oh my God. <laughs> like, yes. Like basically like, if it was out, I saw it. And I think that's, you know, just having to do with like being of a certain age, but also the era, you know, like you didn't have streaming or whatever, you know, at, at, to be able to watch like new releases at home. Um, I think I saw two movies last year, like get out and lady bird. That was it. <laughs> they were both good. Um, Dave Matthews featured prominently in lady bird. Speaking of the nineties, um, I still haven't seen Ladybird, but I wrote a I wrote a screenplay in grad school, you know, for a class where it was entire it was set as a nineties nostalgia piece, uh, tracked with a bu- like it was themed around a Dave Matthews concert, uh, and it, it was it was tracked with a bunch of bunch of Dave Matthews. So apparently, gonna have to throw away that twenty year old never produced amateur work. <laughs> so I mi- I miss movies. That's the one thing. But then the other thing is like this shared experience, you know, like. When I posted that on Facebook, I probably got more comments on that post than like anything I've posted in a long time, which is not saying much, but like people just came out of the woodwork. Like everybody yeah. who was in like, you know, middle school, high school, college in the 90s, like knew this shit. Like there was a shared, like everyone knew all these albums, except for, you know, some of the stuff that you mentioned. <laughs> everyone knew all these albums, except for your top five picks. <laughs> right. It was just like such a shared thing, you know, like. If I talk about the music I'm into now, like it's crickets because nobody, you know what I mean? It's like just not a shared thing. It's so fragmented. But like that was the two things that struck me about this. And maybe it has to do with the era. Maybe it has to do with being a kid back then. But it was like saw so many movies and everyone was listening to the same shit. (laughs) 
Well, but they had to because not only was it not fragmented yet, but we only had to listen to the stuff. Like you could have Days and Confused, which is the music of the 70s, and we, we heard the music of the 80s, and then you had the music of the 90s. And I guess, you know, Forrest Gump would be what, music of the 60s? But like there was only so much. Now, if you're coming up now, you have to know all of the stuff that we already knew, plus the 90s stuff is oldies, plus the you know first decade of the 2000s is oldies. Like there's a lot of backlog to wade through, which is which <laughs> right. is obviously what we're helping guide people to right. with this podcast. I and mean, this is just helping people figure out what to do with their time. Yeah, it was like when you're in the 90s, you kind of had it like broken down. You were like, okay, there was like Elvis, then there was the Beatles, then there was disco, then there was like 80s pop. <laughs> like yep. That was pretty much like all you needed to know. Yep. It's a little more complicated now. Um, <laughs> right. it also, well, well, also, that was a very dumb version of like American musical history, but, but hey, very now it's dumb, dumber than the now. It's much easier to simplify than now. It also doesn't help that a lot of the biggest movies now, like most of the Marvel movies until Black Panther, don't do the soundtrack thing. And it's just like generic orchestral score number 12. I think um, it's really smart for... Like I, I could see like the Black Pan- Panther approach where like a really prominent artist like Kendrick can like carry some of it, but curate the rest of it and just make like something that's important. Yeah. And, and, and Black Panther, I mean, we don't need to go too much into it, but they're very clearly steering into a full cultural and iconic approach to the movie that the soundtrack helps with, you know? All right. Anything else? Any, I, I any, don't think... Anything else on 90 soundtracks? No, I, I think I think we've really, really exhausted it. Uh, <laughs> we found the bottom. <laughs> yeah, we, we bottomed out. I, I will... Um, the Spotify playlist probably won't be up before this goes up because I do have other things to tend to. But sometime uh, in the next day or so, I'll try to get up a list with a sample track from each of these um, and, and share it with you. And you can share it out with the, the thing so people can listen along with yeah, our thrilling I might, selections. I, I might actually post our results on MrIrrelevant.com. I don't think I've made a post on Mr. Irrelevant for like months, uh, but I will probably post the results of our draft and link off to the playlist. We are we are really uh, plumbing new depths to the name Mister Irrelevant at this point, dude. More people listen. I wasn't joking. Earlier. More people listen to the Disney Cruise podcast than like our typical Redskins fair. Well, you know my my family vacations are iconic. <laughs> All right, Matt. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, our listeners can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore Turl. Read him in the Washington City paper. I saw the city papers looking for a new sports writer. They are. You should apply. That's uh, that's that's additive to me, not replacing me. Oh, good. I was concerned. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I, I was. They're hoping to really expand their sports coverage. I was talking to the editor about it. Uh, it's. I think it's okay. And to be honest, if they replace me, hey, you know what? Things happen. Okay. Well, for now, you can still read Matt in the Washington <laughs> City paper. And uh, I don't know if you have any suggestions for future topics. Let us know. Thanks for listening.